begin reading at verse number 14. We're covering last week, Brother Keith Kaiser was with us, and we looked at the first half of the chapter, and we looked at verse 1 through 13, what is not consistent with faith, that is showing partiality. But in our chapter, our verses today, we're going to show, with the help of the Lord, what is consistent with true, biblical, genuine faith. So let's read together, Brother Andrew, uh, James 2, 14 through 26. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can his faith save him? If a brother or sister is without clothes and lacks daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, keep warm and eat well, but you don't give them what the body needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith, if it doesn't have works, is dead by itself. But, some will, but someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without works and I will show you faith from my works. You believe that God is one, you do well. The demons also believe and they shudder. Foolish man, are you willing to learn that without that faith without works is useless? Wasn't Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? You see that faith was active together with his works, and by works faith was perfected. So the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him for righteousness. And he was called, he was called God's friend. You see that a man is justified by his works and not by faith alone. And in the same way, wasn't Rahab the prostitute also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by a different route? For just as the body without the spirit is dead, so also faith without works is dead. Thank you, Andrew. So what we'd like to do this morning, the help of the Lord, is to consider justification by works. I'd just like to offer a little definition of that big word. Sometimes big Bible words we're afraid of. But let's just think for just a few seconds about the word justification. To justify the natural typical, normal understanding of justify. If I ran a, did not run a red light but was charged with it and I go before the court, I'm innocent, I want that judge to prove to me, show that I am right, that I am not guilty. That's how we normally think of the word justify. But in the Scripture, it is not that way. It is the fact that I am guilty. Isaiah has just proved to us from the Word of God that every human being born into this world is guilty in the sight of God. We are not holy. He is holy. We stand condemned in the sight of God. We are enemies of God, says the Scripture. So, if I'm going ever to be justified, that is, declared right in the sight of a holy God... It must be Him that does it, not me. I cannot declare myself right. Let me tell you that all of religion 
no matter what brand of religion you speak of, they all operate under this principle. If I do this, and if I do this, if I do this, I'll get some merit in the sight of God. God will justify me and He'll say, boy, atta girl, come on into my holy heaven. You've done it. That is not justification. That is not what the Bible says. That justification is God declaring me a guilty sinner right in His sight because of what Christ has done. Because the sinless Savior died, my sinful soul is counted free. God the just is satisfied to look on Christ and pardon me. That is justification. Now, when we come to this passage, it is justification by works. And we're saying, oh, 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 wait, 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 wait. what's going on here, justification by works? Let's get something clear from the Word of God as a whole. Cause and effect. Most of us, especially the young ones, are familiar with cause and effect. The cause of justification is faith. Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Through faith, he was justified, declared right in the sight of God. That is the cause of justification. Now, this morning, we're looking at the effect of justification. If you, if I, am declared right in the sight of God, what will happen in my life? What will happen to the way I think, the way I talk, the way I act, my lifestyle? Well, the natural outflow of justification by birth is justification by work. Justification by faith will produce justification by works. So let's see how he goes about to establish this. We only have a few minutes, but I think it's very important for us to distinguish this because, let me just reiterate, you name me any religion you want in the world except biblical Christianity, every last religion whether you're a Mormon, whether you're a Muslim, whether you're a Buddhist, whether you're a... Whatever you are. This is what you do. I do this, I do this, I do this, and maybe I'll be accepted into God's heaven. That is not biblical Christianity. In fact, this is the words of the Lord Jesus. This is the work of God that you believe on Him whom He hath sent. How does He go about to establish... Justification by works. First, there is this interrogation. There is this rhetorical question in verse number 14, as it were. Uh, he asked this question, and the obvious answer is there. The obvious answer is, What doth it profit, my brethren, if a man say he has faith and have not works? Can that faith save him? Here's the thing. He's interrogating. The author is interrogating as it were, this question. What does it profit? Here's a person that says, I have faith. But he doesn't have anything to prove that faith. Nothing, he says, well, you, yeah, I have faith. I believe in Jesus. I want to tell you that the vast majority that I, of people that I run into will tell me, I believe in God. I'm a Christian but there's no evidence in the life to prove it. There's no evidence. And that is the point of this passage. What does it profit? If a man say he hath faith, can that faith save him? 
the mere fact that I say I have faith doesn't save. Now, I want to just point out something very serious to you. This should shake us to the very core. Because, let us put it like this. The judge of all the earth, the final judge, the Lord Jesus Christ, makes this statement. In fact, there's a lot of correlations, if you'd ever have time to look, between the little letter of James that we're studying and the first gospel in the New Testament, Matthew. Now listen to what the Lord Jesus says. Listen carefully because He is telling us ahead of time what is going to happen at the final judgment in that day. Listen to Him. This is the words of the final judge. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that does the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name and in thy name cast out devils and in thy name done many wonderful works? I will profess then unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you that work iniquity. I just want to make this statement here that might surprise a lot of us because it shook me when I got a hold of it. Many. Many will say to me in that day. Now that includes not only many people, it includes many preachers, it includes many pastors, it includes many priests, it includes many popes, many are going to be surprised, as it were, because they were dependent just on their works. They're going to stand before the judge and he's going to say, Depart. I never knew you because you were just seeking to be justified by your works. You, 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 by your deeds, by your actions, by your goodwill. The point of this passage is true biblical faith in James will issue will show itself, will evidence itself in works. So that's the first question, or the first point, interrogation. And then he gives an illustration. He's showing the futility of faith without deeds. If a brother, 15 through 17, if a brother or sister be naked, destitute of daily food, one of you say, notice how many times say, this world, this religious world is full of talk. Someone has said what we need not is a bunch of, of, of those that just talky-talky, but we need walkie-talkies. Those that their mouths, they, 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 they measure up, you see. Not just a bunch of... You know, you ever talk to Charlie Brown? Wah, 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 wah. Well, that's what... We, the world is like that. The religious world is like that. Talky-talky-talky. A lot of big things. That, look at what I can do. But what we need, says this scripture, is walkie-talkies. I, I had a PowerPoint. I'm sorry. I, I, I don't know how. It, it, I lost it. But it was like this. Wanted. Alive or dead. Alive faith, not dead faith. That's the point of this passage. Wanted. You remember the old wanted posters in the, in the, in the Old West? Well, that's what this passage is, is calling to you, to me. Wanted. Living faith. One of you say, oh, depart in peace. There comes in a brother or sister naked, destitute of food. <laughs> you say some high-sounding religious prayer. Ah, depart in peace, be warmed and filled. Oh, That's what the religious world wants to do, you see. They just want to talk, but no action. That's the point of this passage, you see. 
This is the illustration of faith without deeds, right? And he ends up in verse 17, faith, if it has not worked, is dead. Listen, the point of this is, as well known said, faith alone saves. But faith that saves is not alone. Did you get that? Faith alone saves. Faith in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. But faith that faith that is Faith that saves is not alone. And we need to get a hold of that because that's what the religious world we run into today. So there's an illustration there. And then there's a conversation between two uh, individuals, as it were, in verse number 18 through 20. Mere mental assent is not enough. Yes, a man may say, 18 through 20, you have faith, I have works, Show me your faith without your works. I will show you my faith by my works. You believe there is one God. You do well. The demons also believe and tremble. Will you know, vain man, that faith without works is dead? I want to notice something here. People say they have faith. You may say you have faith. I may say I have faith. But true genuine biblical faith, the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, that is revealed in the Word of God, will produce, will evidence, will issue in works that are consistent with a holy God. That means that if I have true, genuine biblical faith, because the sinless Savior died and He's counted me free, He has justified me in His sight, therefore, my actions, my words, my thoughts will be consistent with the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ. A man may say, I have faith. Show me your faith without your words. Oftentimes when we encounter people that say, I'm a Christian. I believe in God. This is the verse that comes to mind that we present to them. And I think it's something for all of us to take a hold of. You believe there's one God? Good for you. The demons believe and tremble. You know why they tremble? Because they're lost forever. It is possible. This is serious. It is possible for your human being to be just like that demon that is consigned to eternal damnation to say, I believe in God. I believe just like the demons do. Remember when the Lord was here? The demons encountered the Lord. They said, we know you who you are, the Holy One of God. Depart from us. They knew who He was. And so do many religious people in the world know who the living God is, but they are not justified. They are not saved. Now, in verse 21 through 25, first of all, we had uh, in in, uh, verse 14, there was interrogation. In verse 15 through 17, there was illustration. 18 through 20, there was a conversation between two individuals. And then in verse 21 through 25, the examination of two Old Testament cases. First of all, there is the revered patriarch Abraham, and then there is the reviled prostitute Rahab. You say, what do these two have in common? A man of faith, a revered patriarch, and a reviled prostitute. What do they have in common? Well, let's see what they have in common. Was not Abraham our father justified by works 
when he offered his son Isaac upon the altar. In other words, listen to this. When was Abraham justified by works? When he offered his son Isaac upon the altar. When was he justified by faith? If you, if you know your Bible history, if you care to go back, Genesis 15, the first book of the Bible, Genesis 15, verse 6, Abraham looks up to the Lord and he says, I believe God. He was justified right there, then and there, by faith. Forty years later, the Lord calls upon him. <laughs> Prove that, as it were. He was justified by works. The very voice of God said, Take now your son, your only son Isaac. Offer him on the place where I will command you as, a, as an offering for me. Abraham was willing to take his only, begotten, his only son, the, prom, the son of promise, and offer him on the altar. Of course, God stopped his hand. But there he was justified by his works. Abraham was justified by works before God. I want you to notice, oftentimes when this passage is presented, it's presented in this way, that he was justified by works before men or before others. But that, that, there probably is an element of truth to that. It's more so Rahab was justified by works before others. But, but let's look at it this way. Abraham was justified before God. If we had time, we could go back to the passage in Genesis chapter 22. When Abraham went and believed God, taking his son to offer him on that altar, and he took his, his knife in his hand and he was going to slay his son, the angel of the Lord called out and said, Stop. And listen to the words. Listen closely to the words. You can look it up in Genesis 22. This is what the Lord said. Abraham, now I know that you fear God seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. Wait a minute. Isn't God omniscient? Doesn't God know everything? What do you mean, Jehovah, Almighty, transcendent God said, now I know. How do you understand that one? Let's look at it like this. Knowledge by experience. I know that it's cold in the North Pole, but I don't know it by experience. There has to be some way to understand that statement that God made to Abraham. Now I know that you fear God. So Abraham was justified by works when he offered his son Isaac upon the altar. There was nobody around. It was just Abraham, his son, and the living God. There was no individuals around, but in the case of Rahab, there was these two spies that came in and she said, oh, I know about your God. I know what He's going to do to our country and I believe in Him. She was already justified by faith a long time ago when she, she said, we've heard what this God has done. And she was willing to, to come under the wing, as it were, of this Almighty God. And it says, was not Abraham, likewise was not Rahab, the harlot, justified by works, when she received the messengers and had sent them out another way. She showed these spies, these messengers, that she had transferred her allegiance to the Lord. She would no longer be followers of false gods. She would put herself in the confidence, 
in the family of the living God. So when she received the messengers, it says she was justified by works. Evidently, it was years before that that this reviled prostitute... And you know, listen, this is a good point. Most people, religious people especially, cannot agree that I should be saved the same way as a reviled prostitute. The grace of God reaches the lowest and it reaches the highest. Not many wise, not many noble. But there are those that are in that class that will be saved. But every individual that is ever going to be justified in the sight of God has to, become, has to be saved the same way. Jesus, I will trust You. Trust You with my soul. I'm guilty, I'm lost, and I'm helpless, but You can make me whole. There is none in heaven or on earth like Thee. You have died for sinners, therefore, Lord, for me. Can I tell you, when I was around 12 years old, I was raised in a Christian home. But that didn't automatically make me a Christian. I thank the Lord for godly parents, but they couldn't save me. I had to, by the grace of God and through faith, understand that Jesus became my shepherd, my Savior. When He died on Calvary, He took my sin. He bore my sin in His own body in the tree, and it was there at a young age that I recognized that I was the sinner that needed the Savior, and I turned in faith to the Lord Jesus and received Him as my own Savior. I thank the Lord for godly heritage. I do. Most Every, let me, let me change that, every religion. I'm born a Muslim, I'm automatically a Muslim. Born a Mormon, automatically a Mormon. Born a Christian, not automatic. No grandchildren, as is often said of God, you have to come. As many as received Him, them He gave the power to become the children of God. And lastly, We've looked at the examination of two Old Testament cases with Abraham and with, uh, with, with Rahab the harlot. And there's the application. Verse 26. As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. So we close with this. The application. This is a scientific, biological fact. There can be a body. In fact, every time we go to a funeral, we see a body. But there's no life in that body because the Spirit has departed. As the body without the Spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. So we can close with a question. Is your faith dead or alive? It's interesting. Through this passage, he uses the term consistently faith. I have faith. We read earlier, I have faith. Well, if you do, if I do, it will evidence itself in the lifestyle. But we want to make this clear. Justification by faith comes first. Genesis 15 comes before Genesis 22. Remember the two examples, Abraham and Rahab. Altogether, too many in the religious world depend on their works, as if God is going to declare me right because of what I do. I am declared right 
And you can be declared right if we depend on what God has done. What God has done. But what follows from that? What issues from that? The works, the deeds will follow. True faith moves to action. Not dead works, but doing the Father's will. Good thing to get a hold of. And that is the basic principle of this passage here. We looked at the first uh, 13 verses, and there was what is not consistent with faith, showing partiality. And he showed through that, those verses this point. But in the last half, he's going to show us what is consistent with faith. If I, if you, have true biblical faith, in other words, believing, totally relying on the Lord Jesus for your salvation, for my salvation, the Bible says, he who believes is not condemned. But he who does not believe is condemned already. And I think we, we, we really need to get a hold of that because it's just not the way of the world. It is not the way of the religious society in which we live. And I want to tell you why. We'll close with this. By nature, we are very proud individuals. We want something to we want something to show. We want something to 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 to, to bring to God as if I somehow by my actions could please God. It's impossible. Man and his pride, that is why there's so many religious wars. Because we want to do. We want to impress God. Do you know before Saul, we'll close with this, you know before Saul of Tarsus was saved, he thought he was doing God a favor by persecuting Christians? I barely thought within myself that I ought to do many things contrary to the Word. He thought he was doing God a favor. It would be good as we close with this passage here of justification by works. Remembering that the cause of justification is faith. The effect of justification is deeds, actions, works that will prove that I really am declared right by my faith in the living God. It's a, it's, it's a very important lesson. You know why? It has to do with our eternal destination. One more illustration before we close. <clears throat> there are three common plans for eternal destiny. This is what I found in my, my interactions with people. There's the preacher plan or the pastor plan. My preacher says this. I, I can't tell you how many conversations I've had with individuals. Lost separated, enemies of God, but my pastor, my priest says this, they're dependent, but I'm going to tell you, their pastor or priest is not going to be there when you stand before the living God. Oh, my parish says this. My parish, it's a parish plan. I'm under the parish plan. Right? My parish says this, and I follow exactly what they say. Guess what? Your parish isn't going to be there when you stand before the living God. And then there's the personal plan. This is, I think, the most popular today. 
talk to people and they reason. Oh, I think. No, God is not going to send people to hell. There's no, we've, we've talked to people. There's no such thing as hell. God, God is a God of love. He won't send people to hell. They start reasoning. It's the personal plan. There's, it's, it's a mile long. Better to go with a purely divine plan. Believing in the Lord Jesus Christ and therefore be justified by faith. We're going to close in a word of prayer. This is the most important part of our session this morning is the Word of God. We're going to close in a word of prayer and trust that each one that was here this morning will think about what was said and examine your own condition in the sight of a holy God. We'll close in prayer. We'll sing a song. And again, we, as Dave has announced, we have uh, to abide by the rules of the state of Florida. We have to um, have this corporate meeting once a year. And that will uh, follow our, uh, the uh, singing of our closing hymn. So we just ask the Lord to bless the time, and then we'll turn to uh, a hymn and sing together. Our Father, we're thankful this morning <clears throat> for the privilege to consider such an important matter, the destination of an eternal soul and the present occupation of an eternal soul. We thank You for this wonderful lesson that genuine faith will be justified by works, declared right by our actions. What a privilege it is to understand this very practical lesson. We pray, O oh God, that the Spirit of God would impress it upon each of our hearts and minds here this morning. We thank You for Your Word. We thank You for the Savior, the Lord Jesus. And it's in His name we pray. Amen.